0: Farm talk on C one hundred and three with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Rumi Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Farm talk on C one hundred and three with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer.
1: Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, clarification on the bis. Basic income support scheme for sustainability regarding applications, milking practices to follow to maintain a low SEC somatic cell count, and other milk quality targets. Mitchellstown to be the venue for an information meeting on all aspects of succession and inheritance. Suckler Breeding Walk goes ahead in Inneskeen on Wednesday, 12th of April. But first, Mr. Kevin Quish. Agri Farm Support Lead, South Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Kevin looks at aspects of the reseeding programme, beginning with Dairy Gold Seed Range. Kevin, welcome to Farm Talk.
2: Yeah, how are you, how are you getting on, John? Um, I to the, I'd like to talk to you today on the reseeding and the dairy gold mixtures, I suppose. Um, so, I thought it us, like we've with the, with the, 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 the gold, quality, uh, gold ashore quality seed range, which, which includes, I suppose, top varieties. And the most profitable in relation to the Pasture Profit Index is published by Cheggis every year with last year's and especially this year 2023. Um, The list of varieties in in our brochures, which can be obtained in Co-op Superstores nationwide, contain outstanding traits that are performing on Irish-based grass production systems. Grass quality, I suppose, is paramount on farm as it is the cheapest source source of feed or forage on farm. So one must be selective on the mixture. And what works best for the system and the soil type?
1: Now, Kevin, a few words about pasture profit indexes and variety characteristics.
2: Yeah, so I suppose with the PPI or the pasture profit, like you, 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 a few characteristics there. You've plied the, uh, you've digestibility, you've utilisation, you've hidden it. Um, so I suppose with the pli-D, you've two types, you've, tit- you've tetra and you've dip plied, and these differentiate on either an erect or prostrate growth habit. For example, some varieties have better ground cover scores than others. With digestibility, the quality of the varieties is defined by DMD and according to check, this this one unit one unit of DMD is worth an extra 0.24 kg of milk per cow per day in the terms, in terms of milk solids. So palatability spring, summer and autumn growth uh, Goats are also some other characteristics. Um, with the hidden dates, uh, this relates to when the grass goes in seed head or reproductive stage. So, a silage variety, for example, needs to have a relatively later hidden date to be cutting this in the first week of June. Um, with the use of utilisation figures, they're done the in a star rating and these are scoring of how well they perform on the farm. So, persistency then is another one. And this is, uh, this involves how good, uh, variety persists or less in the sward. And with the, another just to add on there with the best utilization. So it's, uh, it's a, it's a, prov- it's a, provisional or added trait constructed by Cheggis. And, um, the variety of the post phrase towards how I is expressed as a residual. And aimed, we aim to get this down to about four, 3.5 centimetres or four for we go and to allow light down to the base of the for white clover establishment due to its prostrate growth habits as white clover or white clover produces uh, stolen and kind of grows like a strawberry. So in other words, um, I've encountered varieties like acid energy, then, for example, out in them. that are, are favoured by others and cows kind of, are more, uh, in, uh, in, they're way more palatable than the cows. Like, um, other factors, I suppose, include for the utilisation is gra- grazing infrastructure, roadways, and multiple gaps, et cetera. So, you can't manage, of suppose, what you can't measure. What you don't measure, with the steriating like I suppose the star rating seen and the fair rate of the PPI goes from moderate to excellent. Therefore, if the palatability the ability is poor, the grades will follow decrease in the steriating.
1: Receding protocols. You might say a word or two about uh, clarifying their receding protocols. What they should be.
2: I suppose the aim to recede as early as possible John, I suppose yeah. And uh, when say, temperatures are high, I suppose increasing. And increasing so and there is a poor opportunity for weeds to take over so i'd be advising to go on the spring if possible so spray i'd be advising spray off oil pesto, with a minimum of five liters a hectare of glyphosate allowing a minimum of seven to ten days after spraying soil sample for mp and k and ph is most important because of 6.5 uh, and to prepare a, a fine seed bed if, if possible and um, a sown rate of 14 to 15 kilos an acre and watch the they have roll and well for soil contact.
1: The importance of gold-assured mixtures.
2: So with the gold-assured mixtures, John, you have, number one, intensive grazing. You have, number three, dairy-gold extent, You have, number two, two-cut silage. And you have, number four, for heavy silage or extensive grazing. I suppose um, they all involve excellent spring and autumn growth compared, co- combined with exceptional quality for palatable and and like, uh, as I said, there's a the biggest just to, to suit any system or
1: soil type. Kevin, do you have any contacts for people who've been listening to our conversation and they want clarification on some aspect of what you've been mentioning there, how it applies to their own enterprise? Have you a phone contact? or How many people contact you or Dairy Gold uh, area sales personnel?
2: Yeah, and yeah I, I can be got on my mobile there at 087-189-8584 and my email is kquish at dairygold.ie, and the Dairy Gold quality Assurance or range is available to get brochures at any Dairy Gold crop superstars nationwide.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Kevin Quish, Agri-Farm Support Lead South, Dairy Gold Agri-Business. Thank you very much indeed, Kevin. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. You're welcome.
0: Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer.
1: Joining us on the Farm Programme, we have Mr Darren Carty, Sheep and Schemes Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Darren, welcome to the programme. Darren, looking at the BIS scheme, in particular the basic income support for sustainability, what do you think are the main points for farmers wouldn't perhaps fully understand how the scheme applies to their own enterprise.
3: John, there was a couple of, maybe I suppose you call them, niggling issues at the start. The department sent out a text message two weeks ago to farmers that had incorrectly opted out of eco-scheme measures. Now, that seems to have rectified itself, and the department has told me that uh, they haven't seen the same amount of people say opting out, So, so that's one good thing. Uh, but the queries that seem to be coming up at some of the meetings, one is around, say, the space for nature, which is related to eco and farmers being advised by the department that they need to check their maps to see whether the lint of hedgerows, the drains, the areas of scub, whether they are correct uh, and that they are accurate on, on the department's estimate. Now, that seems to be generating a bit of concern among farmers, and one of the things that was coming through with the this, day clinics was that the farmers were concerned that there might be a few metres off here or there. And the department, I suppose, are moving to assure farmers that they say, look, while it's great to have it as accurate as possible, that's not to get overly concerned if there's a small bit of, say, maybe scrub not marked, or if there's maybe a small bit of hedgerow that maybe extends a bit further than where it's gone. Because for most people, they have way above, say, the, uh, the minimum 10% required to draw down the eco scheme. Uh, for example, this, if you had at 15% space for nature, and even if the changes brought you down by a half percent, you're still well above what's needed. The, the farmers, that I suppose, maybe need to be more concerned around this is the ones that might be just borderline around the 10%. So that's one of the first, of suppose, things. Uh, the next is around, say, the eligible hectare and the claimed hectare. So we've talked before on the show, John, that uh, farmers can now get paid for scub land uh, so they can get paid for, say, rock outcrops, uh, which which is a good thing. In the past, they would have been, say, redlined and excluded. So the department has mapped those areas now, but farmers have to physically claim payments those. The department has said made that area available but they can't technically increase or change people's areas upwards. They have to do that themselves. So that's just something to be mindful of, is when you're looking at your, say, base application, is look at the, say, the, what's called the eligible hectare and the claimed uh, area. And if the claimed area is a long way below, say, the eligible hectare, there may be a, a chance for farmers to increase that figure and to get paid on a higher area, get their scheme get crisp. Just get all payments on a higher figure. Uh, What's linked, likely into that, is around the whole area, say, this, to get head scrub on scrubland or rock outcrop, or say, sort beneficial features. Farmers need to uh, need to have that parcel less than fifty percent of say, scrub or the beneficial features. So, if you have over fifty percent, there is allowances for grassland between fifty and seventy percent, but. But over seventy percent is ineligible. But you might be able to bring a, say a parcel under the fifty percent to get paid for the whole lot by merging it with a neighbouring parcel that mightn't have much scope. The department of reminding farmers around this is this parcels can only be merged if there is say boundaries or definite boundaries around the parcels, if there is a, a they share a boundary, and also uh, passes can't be merged if they're picked for acres because they're already mapped for different features and the merging of those would create issues or could create issues for your acres plan. So d- there, I suppose, maybe three of the big sort uh, areas or significant areas where there is maybe slightly room for uh, to have a bit of error in your application. There's also another one there around active farmer. Now, 80% of farmers are going to be classified as an active farmer uh, by mirrors of their stocking rate or by mirrors of their activity. For some farmers, they may be asked to uh, t- to uh, define what uh, activity is taking place in the past. So that could be very heavily stocked farmers over three uh, livestock units per hectare. It could be commonage farmers as well. That will come up when you're going to through your applications and it's something that you can follow through. And in the last area, I suppose, there was someone from the BIS applications is to surveil or to utilise of all the information available. So the departments say BIS clinics that are taking place at the moment, they're very useful. Uh, farmers that would have submitted their own BIS application in the past, that might be a bit unsure now, they could go to one of those clinics, so the department staff there will help them submit their application or they go through any of the questions. Now, there is two of those clinics taking place in the coming weeks in Cork, John. So on the 18th of April, from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock in Skibbereen, in the West Cork Hotel, there is a BIS clinic. And on the following day, the 19th of April, and this is a longer clinic and a public meeting from 12 to 7 uh, is the clinic and 8 to 10 is the public meeting in Dunham and Way. In the Parkway Hotel. So, there I suppose maybe be two important dates for your listeners in this. If they have any queries, if they're having problems uh, submitting their own applications, they can go and get help there from the department if they're at the avail and maybe have help from an agent.
1: Well, certainly, Darren, that sounds very, very helpful indeed. Speaking there to Mr. Darren Carty, Sheep and Schemes Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, and indeed on your full page spread. In the Irish Farmers' Journal, Saturday, 8th of April, 2023, page 59, you give a phone number there and you point out how people can find out more about how these schemes can be successfully applied for if you feel that you would uh, qualify. The Department's Office phone number in Porticia The Department's Office in Portesia is open for standard working hours to deal with queries at the help desk, and that number is 57 867 4422. That's 057 867 4422. You might please repeat details of those Cork information clinics. Oh, I can of
3: course, John. So, the 18th of April, uh, there's a clinic, a BIS clinic, in the West Cork Hotel in Stibberine from 10 o'clock until 4 p.m. And the following day, in Dunhamanway, in the Parkway Hotel, there's a clinic, a longer clinic, from 12 to 7, and then there's a public information meeting if people they are working during the day and they want to go to the public meeting at night from 8 to 10 o'clock.
1: Well, that's excellent. Full details on page 59, Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 8th of April, Farm Schemes and uh, Finance. a Massive information there. Mr Darren Carty, Sheep and Schemes Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Darren, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Joining us on the Farm Programme, we have Mr Don Crowley, Dairy Advisor, Milk Quality Specialist with Chagas and in the west of the county. First of all, Don, welcome to the programme. Now, before we talk about SEC and other issues, there's a very important event upcoming. You might please remind our listeners about the event, when and where it's taking place, and of course, um, the whole purpose of this big event. Hi, John.
4: Yep, uh, I suppose it's on the beef side of the house, a Suckler Breeding Walk. It's on the farm of John Daly's Belly Boogie in scheme, And it's on Wednesday, the 12th of April at 2pm. It'll be signposted on the R588 in Eskene, Canakilty Road. It's about five kilometres from Eskene. And the topics that hopefully covered is breeding and synchronisation of the suckler cow, handling the bull, which is very important from health and safety, and the new suckler cow scheme, which has just been launched, the Suckler Cow and Efficiency Programme.
1: That sounds excellent. Could we just look at some general topics regarding SCC and mastitis? How has spring gone for farmers regarding SCC count and mastitis?
4: I thought, Janet, it's been, you couldn't, it's been an up and down
1: spring. Um, a very good start with February,
4: unbelievably dry and a great start for farmers. And then when it ran into March, then a lot more difficult on the March time of year. Um I suppose, from the point of view of cell count, the point of view, we are higher than we'd like to be. There's um, we've had a poor start. A couple of factors that came into that: a lot of farmers milked through, and which would lead to a higher cell count—not always, but to a certain amount of a certain amount of farmers. Um, I suppose another thing is is some farmers would have gone once a day during the winter months, trying to get a break, um, and there's no milk recording going on at this stage as well. So there's, um, and we're getting a nice number of environmental cases of mastitis there at the moment. Um, and it's very really important that they are picked up very quickly, especially since the, since the wet match. But an up and down start, and I suppose it's from where we go from now is, is the next thing, really.
1: Now, very important, what milking practices should be followed if you want to maintain a low SEC somatic cell count? I so
4: suppose these are the building blocks now to set us up for the. So we've had an up and down spring, and this to set us up now for the year going ahead. And I, I suppose one of the big things is just looking at the way we're making the milking practices ourselves. Clean gloves used every milking are crucial. Post spraying, keep that going. Good application of a good quality tea tip. And your guide is 15 mils per cow for milking. If I'm milking 100 cows, that's 1.5 litres in the morning, 1.5 litres in the evening. That's three litres a day. Your typical 20-litre drum should be lasting me about a, lasting me roughly about a week. Um, if you're getting a lot of clinical cases of mastitis and you're having to check cows quite regularly to, to for early identification, it's very, very important to disinfect your gloves because you can be the vector for transferring from cow to cow. Um I suppose, well, look, when we look from a milking parlour, point of view, Number one, get the parlor serviced. And the second thing is, in that service, getting the vacuum lines checked and getting a full service, but a new set of liners is crucial, in particular for farmers that milk through. There's probably more fatigue and more infection now in those liners, and it's a very good, it's a very good opportune time to change liners now. Remember, 2,000 milkings is, the, is your guide. That's what liners will last. If I'm milking 100 cows in a 20 unit parlor, that's five rows in the morning, that's five in the evening. That's 10, so 10 into my 2,000, that's every 200 days. It's six months or 2,000 milkings, whichever is going to come sooner. This was the other thing in the milking practice is just identifying that chronic cow and stopping that chronic cow from spreading it to the rest of the cows. A lot of farmers forget that that infected cow will pass it to the next eight cows inside the milking parlour. So look, those few little tips will, will help.
1: Just to pay attention and be, be careful...
4: Absolutely. Be careful and and just don't underestimate what the the infected cow can do to the the rest of the herd. I think we underestimate that. And, you know, the good herds that keep it low and keep it consistently low, when you look at their profile, they have a very low infection rate inside the herd.
1: We turn now to thermoduric counts and total bacteria count, the TBCs. They're always on the farmer's mind, at least to the back of the farmer's mind worrying about what's going to develop but what tips would you have done on how to maintain low counts when it comes to your overall tbc total bacteria count and the thermoduric counts
4: as well john since we've gone from to chlorine free products you know the cleaning regime though is absolutely crucial and there's three fundamental building blocks to cleaning a plant the temperature the turbulence inside the plant, and the titration, which is the amount of chemical we use. And if we look at the temperature, hot water is crucial to control permaturics and TBCs. So what do we need? We need, when I have my track full, ready to put into my milky parlour, you're looking at 75 degrees. And then I'm dumping it after 8 to 10 minutes at 45 degrees. And really what farmers need to look at is the heat recovery units which are a very carbon efficient way of harvesting the heat from the plate, from the compressors that cool the milk and transferring that heat then to heating water. So I have a lot of cheap, good quality water, hot water to wash the system. And they're under the new TAM system. And it's something that farmers should really, really consider these heat recovery units. And they should talk to their bulk tank providers on that. So there's a couple of more points that we see is generally farmers are not descaling often enough traditionally farmers might have descaled once a week or twice a month but now we need to be descaling twice to three times per week and that's a very common weakness in wash regimes that are there when we look at the the turbulence we need the volume of water going through the truck so our deletion rate's right have I 10 litres per unit going through the plant 15 litres per unit to rinse the plant and the other part that contributes to turbulence is the air bleeds in the claw piece that will the air through to let the turbulence go through. And then the titration is, do I know the size of my truck? Do I know the capacity it is? And have I my dilution rates right? And a lot of farmers, where I see it, uh, a big fall too, they're not watching the plant washing, so they can't see any deficiencies that are in the wash regime. And I'd, the last point I'd make is, just look, the washing of the vacuum line is very important. Thermodurics are spore farmers, so they'll travel around in the air. So that's why it's very important to wash, to vacuum line once every six months. Ideally, you should get your technician to do it, or else do it yourself. But those couple of little tips are one of the big cause, main main causes for for thermodurics and TBC failures.
1: As a general observation, since the chlorine-free regime came in and uh, the need still for the correct uh, temperature, hot water. Has it made life more difficult or, in fact, the, the chlorine-free regime, have people adapted to it now fairly well?
4: Definitely there's been a big improvement. We, uh, Jan, we can definitely see where the, where the new regime is done right. We're getting, a, we're getting as good, if not better results than we were before. I suppose what chlorine allowed us before is get away with bad habits, which now, since it's gone, the attention to detail has to be that little bit better. But to be fair to farmers, they've really upped their game to get it, but you will get the odd few spikes in it. But it, it's really having a wash regime up in front of the plate that's going, that you'll stick to it. The consistency of that from week to week is crucial. There's too many farmers that are, it's, it's a bit too ad hoc. Every week needs to be exactly the same, and you have your KPIs then that you meet then every week
1: and to remember as well with the SECs, that contagion, when it comes to thermoduric counts, contagion and spreading of disease from one animal to another, those are all factors which, you know, you should familiarise yourself with and make sure that one animal isn't bringing you down.
4: Exactly, exactly, Jan. And that's where you need the likes of milk recording and you need data, you need that type of process then, to number one, who are these cows? And number two, deal with them then, to prevent them infecting new, inf- new uninfected cows. And then you could farm your way out of it, whether you talk to your vet or your advisor, do I cull these cows, do I treat them, but at least protect the non-infected cow. That's the crucial part of it.
1: There are some people who mightn't be milk recording, they don't realise how handy it actually is when you decide to milk record and find out exactly where you stand.
4: Definitely, John. look, there's still a bit of resistance towards milk carding. Um, look, we've gone into to a stage where blanket anti, you know, blanket antibiotic use is not allowed. So we've gone into to a stage you now where it is selective use of antibiotics and selective dry comes into that. So how can you pick your cows that are suitable for one or the other unless you have a milk card? So milk carding, you know, so carding, you know it, it's like the old saying, you can't, you can't manage what you don't, what you can't measure and Milk recording comes into that. You need a sample for every cow, it's consistent, it's unbiased. But I think the biggest thing for the people you have the people that aren't milk recording, then the people that are recording, but not using the records. And it's to understand the records and use them from the point of view of bending, avoiding, you know, the price strap coming through and the cost base that's there. It's very important to identify these unproductive cows and take them out of the system. Very, very important. Now as we're coming into a different cost base completely. Um, milk recording is a crucial, crucial tool. And in conjunction with that, farmers should get into the habit, really, of, of sampling every clinical case of mastitis, put the code number, the days, and the quarter, and freeze it. Then you have that as a bank of data before uh, for the next code that you're coming through. Very, very important.
1: And again, like the chlorine-free washing down, we now have the selective dry cow therapy in operation, and people have to adapt to that uh, often in their own best interest. Now, at the start of our conversation, speaking to Mr. Don Crowley, dairy advisor, milk quality specialist, Charles Clonacilty in the west of the county. Don, we refer to a very important upcoming suckler breeding walk event would you please remind our listeners again what the details are please in case someone missed the start of our conversation a very important upcoming suckler breeding walk I understand
4: Yes Jan um, there's a suckler breeding walk on the farm of John Daly Ballyvoid in Eskeen on Wednesday the 12th of April at 2pm it'll be signposted on the R5588 which is the Eskeen Clannacilty Road the farm is about 5 kilometres from Eskeen Topics that are going to be covered will be the breeding and synchronisation of suckler cows, the handling of the bull, from uh, health and safety and all that angle on the bull. The new suckler cow scheme will be covered, which is a suckler cow carbon efficiency programme. They'll all be covered on the day.
1: Well, that's perfect. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Don Crowley, Dairy Advisor, Milk Quality Specialist, Chagas Clonacilty in the west of the county. Thank you, Don, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. You're very welcome, Don.
0: Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer.
1: We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Miss Alice Doyle, IFA, National IFA Farm Family Chairperson. Alice, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event of interest to all farm families on farm succession and inheritance.
5: Absolutely, John. Great to talk with you. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, IFA, uh, Farm Family and the Farm Business Committee have come together to organise four regional events around the whole area of farm inheritance and succession. And the main purpose of these, which I will go into in a minute, uh, is very important in that we have to make sure that farmers are very up to date on uh, all the information they need when they come to making decisions about uh, succession and inheritance, because it's probably one of the biggest decisions they're ever going to make in their lifetime or for what's left leave, leave for them after their lifetime. The event that I would like to bring to your attention at the moment for your listeners is taking place on Thursday, the 20th of April, in the Fir Grove Hotel at 8 o'clock. And the whole purpose behind this, as I said, is to help farmers to uh, come around to talking about succession and inheritance. We all know it's a very emotive subject. None of us want to have to think about our demise, or do we even want to have to think about uh, even making changes even when we're alive? But it is important that we do think about these things. And knowing that it's an emotive subject, we have invited uh, Claire O'Keefe, who's from Succession Ireland, who will talk about setting the scene and how we go about setting the scene to talk about, uh, you know, making a will if it's not already done uh, and maybe even talking about changing the way we're farming. So to make that it will be viable for somebody after our time. Uh, we also have Gordon Pepperd, who will be well known as a child's advisor, Chagas is a specialist. Uh, he's child specialist in the area of uh, farm partnership. And Gordon has done a lot of work around this. And we all know that, you know, the way farming is changing, that there are many different models now in farming. It was once that, you know, farmer was the sole trader. Now we have partnerships, we have companies. And Gordon will talk about that and the implications of, uh, you know, moving into one of those areas in the process of moving towards succession and inheritance. Martin Clark of IFAC is also well known in the whole financial area. And we know that in, when it comes to succession inheritance, the uh, financial arrangements around that, the tax implications are huge. And it's very, very important that farmers are very okay with the tax implications around any moves that they're going to make. Because, you know, a small slip can cost a lot of money. Uh, both to the person handing over the farm and to the successor if not handled properly. So Martin will go through the many different tax implications involved uh, in the different uh, areas around that. And finally we have Ashley Ian who is also a well-known agri-solicitor who has contributed to many publications nationally. She will be dealing with the whole legal side because again uh, a lot of legal implications uh, when it must be undertaken when in changing farm and handing over a farm. So with these four people who are four specialists in their area, we hope to be able to provide the essential information for every farmer that they would need to have when they're thinking about uh, farm succession.
1: And of course, this meeting is being held in the North Cork area, but people from many part of Cork or surrounding counties are welcome. It'll be taking place in the town of Mitchelstown, the Firgrove Hotel, well known for its farm meetings, the Firgrove Hotel, Mitchelstown, County Cork, North Cork, near code P67Y206. And the meeting starts... 8 p.m., I understand, as reaffirmed for our farming listeners that it's very important to have at least some kind of basic farm succession plan in place, which can be altered or amended, but very important, essential, for every farmer to have a farm succession plan in place so that she or he is at least uh, prepared in, in some way, and later you you can amend it, but very important. Take that first step. Break the ice. It's very very, perhaps emotional. The idea like that you'll be making provision, but at the same time, have some kind of a farm succession plan in place, registered.
5: Yes, John, and it's for for many reasons. Uh, the, the main one being, I suppose, that we all want to think of you know who we're going to leave our farm with uh, when we're when we, we we pass it on. Some farmers want to retire you know earlier than others. Uh, and they want to hand on the farm, and they want to make sure that you know the farm will be will be carried on and the farming will be done in in a good way so and and in the past, it was traditional that the eldest son possibly would always have been identified as the successor That's changing it could be the son, it can be a daughter, it doesn't even have to be a family member. We were finding now that a lot of farmers are discovering that you know even if they have a family, they may not be interested in continuing farming, so they have to look at other options as to how the farm is going to continue uh, That's the first area. I think the other big area is that there are huge implications as far as down the line, uh, you know, if, if, in handing over farm. As I mentioned earlier, we have the financial implications, there's the legal implications. But something that I deal with on a regular basis, which many people don't have to think about when they think about inheritance and succession, is the whole area of the nursing home scheme and the fair deal scheme, because that's all linked into succession as well. But if somebody applies for the fair deal scheme, you know, needing to go into a nursing home, if they haven't handed over their farm for more than five years, the value of their asset will be taken into consideration when assessing how much they have to pay towards the nursing home care. And these are things we don't want to think about. You know, I often say when I speak at meetings that, uh, many of my vintage will think of an old program that used to be on the radio years ago when a lady called Frankie Byrne used to say on a, a, a program she used to say it may not be your problem today but it may be someday well I think it's the same none of us want to talk about nursing homes and we want to think, talk, think, talk about you know, what's going to happen to farm after our death but the truth of it is it will be our problem someday and we do need to talk about it we do need to set the scene As to how we're going to deal with it. But as I said, also the huge legal and the huge financial implications um, in handing over a farm. Uh, Very important that people take those into consideration. If not, they could find themselves in serious difficulty and maybe leave a farm that it would be unviable for the person who's taking over.
1: Now, you list a number of the topics which will be discussed at this very important meeting, taking place Thursday, 20th of April. Venue, the Fergraf Hotel, Mitchellstown in North Cork. Uh, the air code there is P67Y206, and it starts 8pm. Speakers, Clare O'Keefe, Succession Ireland, Gordon Pepper, Chagas, Martin Clark, IFAC, Ashing Mean, Agri-Solicitor. Emotion uh, is very high yes. on the list of topics to be uh, covered.
5: Certainly, it's an, uh, an emotive issue. Once we talk about wills, once we talk about inheritance succession, people get quite emotive about it, emotional about it, and it is emotive as well. Insofar as some people think that if they make a will or they have to make, you know, final decisions about what might happen after their time, they think, "Oh my God, I'm signing my death notice." Uh, not true. You, a will can be made and can be changed many times during one's lifetime as circumstances change. But, uh, God forbid, in the event of a sudden death of uh, the person who owns the farm, if the um, uh, some, some plans are not in place, there can be very serious consequences. Whereas, as I said, the farm can actually be left unviable if there's, if there's huge taxing uh, implications. And we also know, you know, that uh, farming uh, is farmland is very valuable and uh, it's amazing the siblings can get on very well when things are going well but as soon as something goes wrong and there's a, a large farm at stake and a large asset at stake uh, you know farm families can fall out so we would like to think that by making some decisions uh, early on in time you can provide for that Uh, or provide to make sure that that doesn't happen. But also, I think it it makes life a lot easier for everybody because everybody knows then where we're heading towards. And whatever changes have to be made in order to facilitate that uh, can be made in the lifetime of the person before it has to be handed over after them. So I I think from that point of view, it's very important that, you know, we can make sure that uh, emotions are, are kept, you know, nice and smooth. But also that people can get time to think about it because you might be very surprised when you set the the discussion in motion that the person you think was the one who might want to do the farming or who you think is the eligible person to do it might be the one who might say no sorry not really interested I've got a job elsewhere have liked my life off farm don't want to come back to it and the one that you least suspected might say well I never thought I was going to be considered so I never put my hand up but now that you're asking me I actually am the one who might like to do it. I feel I have an affinity towards the farm. I feel I have an interest in it. Can I be considered for it? And then, you know, also the other siblings on the farm, uh, the day of just saying we'll give it to the, everything to the eldest son and everybody else walks away, I think that is not as simple as it used to be either. We have to try, where possible, to make provision for other members um, on, on in, in a family in whatever way
1: we can. The whole concept of farm succession and inheritance, you're linking that in with the fair deal nursing home scheme because people think of, you know, fair deal nursing home scheme, nursing home, older persons. But at the same time, the way people deal with succession and deal with taking care of the parents under the Fair Deal scheme, that opens up the way for younger people to get involved in either a partnership of some sort to show their mettle, or on the other hand, it opens up the way for younger people getting into farming, and we pay an awful lot of lip service to younger people, etc. But nowadays, and in recent years, so many members of the family have gone abroad. They've um, gone to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, etc. But when the will is being read, and they... Come home, you might find the parents have equally divided everything amongst all the children at home and abroad. And then the poor woman or man who stayed on or worked the farm, they get a fifth share, but they have to take out a huge loan or think about taking out a huge loan to hold on to the farm and keep farming. So, I mean, there's endless. um, different types of uh, scenarios. But you might please, by way of a last uh, shot, please remind our listeners the title of this very important meeting, the date, venue and time it starts. Please, Alice.
5: It's Farm Succession and Inheritance. It's been organised by Farm Family and Farm Business uh, IFA National Committees. It's being held in the Firgrove Hotel in Mitchellstown on Thursday, the 20th of April at 8pm. Uh, doors will open around half seven. We'd be delighted to have you there. I guarantee you, you will uh, be amazed at the information that you will receive. There is no cost involved to you for you, and we all know the cost of, you know, legal advice, etc., or financial advice that we have to take professionally. You're going to get the um, the best of it, best advice, and it will be free, gratis for you on the night. We would ask you to come. Take note of the interesting information that you will be given, and there will be a cup of tea at the end as well to make sure that you get time to chat to the speakers and to socialise as well, because... Uh, as many I think I would like to not miss the opportunity to say that, you know, at this point in time many farmers are feeling quite isolated. They're working long days, long nights, uh, you know, with the spring and the coming in uh, with and with, you know, calving just finished and uh you, lambing is going on still. So farmers are under a lot of pressure. They've been working very hard. I would suggest take the night off, come in Take a note of all the information that's been given to you and at the same time take the opportunity to have a chat with your fellow farmers on the night and we and I they will be only too delighted to chat with you as well. And if you want any further information, if you contact your regional office in Cork or if you're listening to this radio programme outside the Cork area, it's for the whole Munster area and uh, we welcome anyone from any of the counties around to come and join us in Mitchellstown. And again, as I said, if any if want any details, your local office, either in Limerick or in Cork or in Nina and Tipperary or the national office, we we'll would be only too delighted to give you more details.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Miss I Doyle, IFA National Farm Family Chairperson. Thank you, Alice, and we hope there's a good turnout on the night because this is the ultimate feel-good factor for many people who live in isolation and the burden of succession by going along to the meeting it is a tremendous um, relief for many people to go along and find that they were not the only ones grappling with this to take the first step. Thank you very much, Neil Dallas. Thanks a million.
5: You're very welcome, John. Thank
1: yes. you. ICMSA dairy chairperson, Mr. Murphy, claimed that while dairy markets were under some pressure at wholesale level, which resulted in co-ops imposing massive cuts to farm gate prices for the first two months of... 2023. It's time now for these milk purchasers to show their mettle over the next number of milk price announcements and define and emphasise the benefits of our products in a way that raises them above base commodity spot prices. Mr Murphy called on co-op boards to remember that peak production and the price at which it's paid determines a lot of financial decisions for the remainder of the year. Mr Murphy said, it's now time to ensure that dairy farmers are protected through the next number of months. He said this means, at a minimum, holding prices at the current levels. Part of a long statement there from Mr Noel Murphy, the ICUSA National Dairy Committee chairperson. A hard border could be on the way for fertilizer coming from Northern Ireland. Mr. Pat O'Toole, political editor, Irish Farmers Journal, writing in this week's issue, points out that farmers who buy fertiliser direct from Northern Ireland must register as, quote, Fertiliser Economic Operators and submit information on their imports to the National Fertiliser Database under proposed Department of Agriculture rules. Sinn Féin TD Matt Carthy told the meeting of the Joint Rockless Committee on Agriculture on Wednesday last that this move would disrupt fertiliser trading and lead to a hardening of the border for farmers. Mr Carthy argued that where a farmer buys fertiliser in the Republic of Ireland, the merchant or co-op that they deal with is obliged to submit the information on their behalf. The requirement for individuals to register as, quote, economic operators, Deputy Carthy argued, would negatively impact all island trade. Calf exports have returned to normal this week after a turbulent 10 days. The French lairage in Pignet, which thousands of calves move through on a weekly basis, had been closed due to a suspected breach in animal health welfare standards. The facility opened again for calves on Tuesday following the conclusion of the investigation into alleged animal welfare violations. The facility at Pigny is one of two leverage facilities that Irish calves are sent to on arrival off the boat in France. They are fed in these facilities and take their mandatory rest periods before moving on to their final destination on farms. The majority of Irish calves move through the Pigny Learidge facility with thousands of Irish calves moving through it on a weekly basis over the peak spring export period. It's been recommended that levies should be charged on agri-food exports to finance biodiversity measures and any environmentally harmful farming subsidies to be phased out That's according to the Citizens' Assembly on Biodiversity and their advice to the Irish Government. The Assembly was almost unanimous in voting for a review of all state policy concerning farmland biodiversity. The Assembly claimed that current protections in place for biodiversity were, quote, not sufficient. Another recommendation that passed called for consumers to be supported to shift towards a, quote, more plant-based diet. Little detail and a few specific measures were referenced in the recommendations, such as the levy rate that should be sought on agricultural shipments to overseas markets. The Citizens Assembly Chair on Dr Avine Nihuloin was quoted as saying the government can really work out the details on implementing the measures suggested by the Citizens Assembly. It's been suggested that Irish pig prices must move above the EU average. IFA National Pig Miniature, chair, Mr. Galley, is calling on Irish processors to increase the price paid to Irish pig farmers for next week's pigs. Galley said the current EU average pig price is rising and the Irish price must move further to return to pig farmers a price they justly deserve for their pigs to well over the EU average. He pointed out... The European average price recorded by the Commission for week 12 was €2.33 a kg. There were, he said, further increases across Europe again this week, bringing the average price further up, while our own price remained at an average of only €2.28 a kg. He said there was full justification for a further substantial rise in pig prices for next week's pigs. Mr Galley pointed out, Irish pig farmers had accrued huge losses over the past 18 months. And while pig prices are on the rise now, we need to ensure the Irish pig price would take back its position ahead of the European average price to give farmers here the increase in return they very much need. He said the Irish pig price must rise above the EU average and beyond it if the survival of the Irish pig sector is to be safeguarded. Mr. Galli concluded his statement by saying that pig numbers are scarce here and across Europe, so the IFA were calling on processors to continue to move the price paid to farmers upwards at the weekend. Farmers, he said, must put pressure on their processors to ensure this is acted on, a statement there from the IFA National Pig Committee Chair, Mr. I. Galli, calling for Irish pig prices to move above the European Union average. And that's our Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors this week, Barry O'Mahony, news editor, 96FM and C103 News, Marie Tuig, 96FM and C103 News reporter, and also creator of our regular Farm Talk podcasts. A special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings, and Wednesday evenings, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. We're joined
0: on... Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast sac, and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.